And now, from the Room 111 Studios, it's Hacking Engagement with James Sternovic. there, my final listener. Welcome back to the Hacking Engagement Podcast, and welcome back to the 10 to 25-minute template. (laughs) I just kind of went off the last two weeks. I apologize for that, but it was good stuff, so I shouldn't apologize, I guess. Here's the problem. Here is the problem. Your students walk into your class, and you introduce this lesson that you're very enthusiastic about. But that enthusiasm does not necessarily translate into their enthusiasm. So this episode is going to help you in this regard. And it's going to build off the last two episodes where we talked about student-directed learning. Hallelujah. So check this out. My wife and I were cruising around in our car the other day. And your humble narrator, he likes 1970s R&B. I mean, I like some music with some bottom to it. But my wife and I, we just had on the standard uh, pop music, old fogey station. You know, music from the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, who knows. But this song came on that I hadn't heard in a long time. And I remember it from my youth. It brought back warm memories. It's Carly Simon's Anticipation is making me wait. And I was like, whoa, I know exactly what I'm going to do for the next podcast episode. Isn't it crazy the way inspiration just hits us? So today I've got, I've got the original sources back. They're back. The students are back and they're, and they're going to talk to you today. We can learn so much from our original sources. Campbell Allen. And Emma Nieper are two kids very close to graduation, and they are brilliant. And they're going to talk about priming the pump. In other words, how – I love that metaphor. How do you get kids excited about a lesson? Buckle up, man. You're going to love this episode. Hey there, listener. Please check out my book, 50 Tips and Tools to Engage Teachers and Learners Daily. It's available on Amazon.com as of late summer of 2016. And also check out hacklearning.org for a cornucopia of teacher empowerment resources. Okay, let's get back to the solutions part of the Hacking Engagement Podcast. So here we are in the Room 111 studios. It's a Friday afternoon. We're looking out at blue skies and 70 degree temps. And I have two students who instead of walking out the door, did U-turns and came right back into room 111 to talk to Mr. Sturdivant, your humble narrator, on a Friday afternoon. And that and that's not the end of it. These guys are going to be graduating in 15 days. They really have a lot of incentive to go out and, and do all kinds of stuff, but here they are, talking to me and talking to you, the original sources that we love so much. I've got Campbell Allen. On my left, I've got Emma Nieper on my right. Say hello, Campbell. Hello. <laughs> Very good. And Emma, say hello. Hello. All right, now, you know how this program works. There is no way I'm calling Campbell, Campbell. And there's no way I'm calling Emma, Emma. This is, now, now it's not Campbell, it's Campbell. So I call him Camp Allen, which is taking his name and just slamming it together. And I have the tremendous honor in 15 days Handing this young man his diploma, that means the world to me. But I don't want to talk about 15 days from now. 
I want to talk about 10 years down the road, my man. I'm going to come to your 10-year high school reunion. I'm going to walk up to you. I'm going to ask you what's going on. How are you going to respond? I'm going to be attending the University of Louisville and get my degree in computer engineering. So hopefully I'll be living in California at that point in Silicon Valley. Oh, have, you ever, have you ever seen the show Silicon Valley? No. Oh, my no. God. you got to watch Silicon Valley. It's on HBO. I don't have HBO. Well, that's smart. <laughs> that's smart. What are you going to be doing in Silicon Valley? Hopefully developing uh, hardware for computers. That's, Very good. I've always had an interest in that. Can you promise me that you will develop a system that eliminates the need for usernames and passwords? I can try. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the one thing I can't stand doing. Hey, yeah. Silicon Valley, gorgeous place to live. Uh, married offspring or going to be a riding solo still? Um, Ten years... Hopefully, I'll have a girlfriend. <laughs> I don't think I'll be married at that point, but and you never know. Well, you, you might want to find a woman before you get rich. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> All right, Emma Nieper. Emma's got this really cool name, Emma Nieper, but I struggled finding her a good nickname until I started interacting with her about some advanced topic in history and what she said was very deep, and then bam, it just came to me. She is the deep. She's deep. She's incredibly deep. Emma Nieper, what's up? Yeah, not much. <laughs> okay, what are you doing 10 years from now? Um, 10 years from now, wow. Um, hopefully, well, I'm going to Ohio Wesleyan University, hopefully mm -hmm. to study history and English. And I've always really, I've, I've always wanted to travel. So hopefully 10 years from now, I'll be traveling around, maybe about to kind of settle down a bit. But yeah. Definitely well-traveled. And you and I have talked. You have an interest in education, correct? I do, yeah. Yeah. So what level? Um, I'm thinking either like high school or college, kind of like what you do, actually. Like Very I always good. find that really interesting. So to kind of split the difference. Yeah. You speak any foreign languages? A tiny, tiny bit of French. Well, just go over there and live in France for a few weeks and you'll just learn it. Yes, I would love that. <laughs> hey, these guys are brilliant. I, I love them. And I brought them in. Because I've been trying to do something as a teacher. I've been trying to make my lessons real. And it's tough. I mean, sometimes we're talking about stuff in ancient history that, quite frankly, is ancient history. Sometimes we're talking about things in remote parts of the world that don't seem real relevant to people's lives. So what I've been trying to do is to create a great hook, either a great hook question or a great hook activity. And here it comes that grabs my students by the virtual lapels and pulls them in. So these guys so these guys are my guinea pigs today. We've been doing some things in, in history class, and they're going to talk about it. So here's the deal. Two topics. I'm looking at these two topics, folks, and I'm thinking, how in the world do I make these real to my students? And one of them is the Berlin Conference in 1884 and 1885. This is where these darn Europeans took the continent of Africa and just divided it up amongst themselves. And they never once consulted any African. And their divisions were totally arbitrary in nature. Okay, important topic. One of you wonderful young people, step up to the mic and say what that was. Well, you gave us, um, there were four of us in a group, and we each had a coupon. There were two coupons per group. And we were supposed to be able to divide it up for two short answers off the quizzes. And you said we could either give it to two people or split it up in certain <laughs> ways. <laughs> and so I, I gave you something that you wanted. Yeah. Students want to get out of questions on the, on the test. 
I didn't give enough for everybody, did I? No. So what, what took place? Um, well, actually, I was kind of surprised with how quickly my group decided, but we ended up just giving two people the full credit, and then two of us just kind of sat back like, okay. Well, did those two people, uh, they were appreciative of that, right? Yeah, they were. Did they feel kind of uh, looked down upon because you guys just gave it to them? I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> Now, I was kind of interested, because I don't think I gave you any directions at all. I just no. gave you these two coupons. Did any of you debate how you might take those and maybe divide up the questions a little bit? Not particularly. We just kind of sat down, and um, one person uh, said just, you know, I, I need don't those. need it. <laughs> well, well, he said, I don't need it. Someone else could have it. And I kind of agreed, like, I mean, for as is. Well, you know what? It, it's hard to stump either one of these guys on a test, so I could see how they wouldn't mind doing the full questions. That activity right there, which was really short, just mm -hmm. about two minutes long, challenged you guys to take care of that. How did that prime you for then going into the African, or excuse me, the Berlin Conference? It was interesting because a lot of the things that you do, it really helps me get in the mindset of what we're about to do, which is something that I think a lot of lessons have trouble with because mm -hmm. it's just, it's information. It's just, you know, this happened and then this happened. The students don't really, I mean, it's really easy to just sit there and, you know, nod off and Stop paying attention, really. I really like that phrase you use, mindset. In other words, you start thinking about the implications of the lesson. Yeah. That's a wonderful answer. Okay, so that's what I did for the Berlin Conference. And now, here comes this really interesting subject, which is nonviolent protest. Now, on the face value, nonviolent protest seems straightforward. You resist an aggressor, and then everybody that's neutral starts to side with you. Makes sense. There's a lot more to it than that. A lot more to it than that. So what I wanted to do with my students was, was talk about the depth and the complexity of nonviolent protest. Cam Ballin, the deep took care of um, the Berlin Conference. You're in charge of nonviolent protest. What did we do in class about that? Well, we got into groups, small groups, and we had to figure out a strategy to defeat ISIS. ISIS! ISIS! Now, ISIS has... Nothing to do with Gandhi. What What's going on here? Well, we've been learning about Gandhi and all these like past nonviolent protests, but I thought it was interesting that ISIS is a current world uh, issue, right. and you're giving a bunch of high schoolers the opportunity to think about how to uh, approach this. Mm -hmm. And some kids in our group took the more forceful approach. <laughs> yes. Then we kind of decided that that could be used as a recruiting technique for ISIS, and we also talk about the more peaceful approach, sort of, and mm -hmm. how that the Shia and Sunni Muslims that aren't a part of ISIS needs to have a say right. and get people on their side. So that's how we... Talk. Hey, did you, did you find that when you were in this conversation that all of a sudden this thing that seems rather simplistic is a lot more complex? Yeah, definitely. It was... Because when we were... Uh, you describe the civil civil rights movement and Gandhi. It's like, oh, that makes sense, nonviolent protest. But when we were faced with this issue, we had to think a lot deeper about things. And excellent, you guys are you guys are just music to my ears. Let me ask you this, and this goes to both of you. It's not clear cut whether Gandhi's nonviolent protest was successful or not, because what happened right after independence? Riots. Riots. More than that, warfare. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think more Indians died in that in those conflicts that ensued independence, then Americans died in World War II. Did Gandhi feel like he succeeded? No, he didn't. 
Now that and that just goes to show you that, that a lot of times history is deeper and more complex. And I love your answer there. Okay, so I feel great. You guys are talking about Mr. Sturdivant in very glowing terms, but uh, let's face it, it, there's a lot of pressure on you because I'm sitting right here. <laughs> so talk about some of your other teachers. In physics, <laughs> the very first week, our teacher, Mr. Smith... So I had like, Mr. Smith as a student. <laughs> he sort of just threw us into a project right. and didn't give us much instruction, and it was um, based on music. Right. So we had to figure out, we had, he gave us 10 minutes, so it was a lot of pressure, figure out a way that we can match a pendulum to the beat of the music. That's the way he did it all year, and we would then talk about the, mm -hmm. what was going on, and he would teach us afterwards. I like that because it gave me the chance to know what we were doing all year, and we could relate to it because it was music, and then most high schoolers like yeah. to listen to the music they do. Yeah. So if a project's based around it, then they'll be interested. That's a good answer. Now, hold on a second. Dee, you got one for me? I actually, I took AP Psych last year with Mrs. McDonough, and mm -hmm. there was one day she had to sit down. She'd always give out, like, little bonus points for answering questions and stuff. And one day she passes out this paper, and she says, okay, so I'm going to give five bonus points on a test to... I think it was like two or three students or something. <laughs> but only if, and there was like a little option. It was you could either write that you wanted to take the points or write that you were going to give it up. <laughs> and if too many people said they wanted the points, nobody got points. But if enough people said that they were going to give away the points, and um, then you know, a couple people said that, and those couple people would get the points. And it was a really interesting lesson about um, how kind of group think and everything yes. and how you think everyone else is going where, to react. So I was really wondering where she was going with that. And you were wondering where she was going. I was, yeah. And you were wondering where Mr. Smith was going with that, yeah. correct? I got an important question. So when I did the ISIS thing, when I did the dividing up bonus points, which was not unlike Miss McDonough's, mm -hmm. I gave you a very strict time limit. Three minutes, two minutes, something like that. I forget what it was. But you had to get busy. You had to get talking about it. Did the other teachers do that? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't as, mm -hmm. like, rushed, but... Do, do you think it's... Do you think I should give more, or do you like it being under the gun like that? I like it under the gun. Because people just kind of start meandering yeah, otherwise, yeah. right? Yeah, and it makes, it makes sure that you get to the point. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I agree with that, because, because when I put kids in small groups, a lot of times they're talking about the game or talking about what they're going to do on the weekend. I think time limits are important. Campbell, you with us on that? Yeah, Mr. Smith is known for saying, you've got five minutes, go. <laughs> yeah. And everyone just is like freaking out because they have to get this done because they think it's going to be for like a grade. And then he goes in and just talks about it and so, it's was stress-free. Now, now have you kind of learned to game that system? Yes, but he still, <laughs> but he still gives us only five minutes to do things and then yeah. we're moving on and if you don't, then you won't be a part of the conversation. Okay, you seniors, 15 days left. This is a great opportunity to look at K-12 college professors that are listening to my podcast all over the world, and you can give them one piece of advice about how to make their lessons real, how to build anticipation, how to hook them with questions or activities. Give them a piece of advice. Well, I said just incorporate pop culture kind of because – our generation is all about social media and different things. So yeah. if you incorporate that, they'll get their attention and you can start the lesson right away. Very good. Do you, 
I think you have to be interested in what you're teaching because <laughs> if you if you just show up because it's really easy to tell when a teacher just yeah. shows up and teaches it because they have to and it's yeah. it gets boring like so, you got to be engaged so you just have to get into your subject matter yeah and then be creative on on how you can hook kids oh definitely love you guys coming in promise me you're gonna have a good weekend oh yeah say goodbye everyone see ya bye so here we are at the what you can do tomorrow section and again. If you want to engage students, you have to prime the pump. You have to get them excited about the lesson. And this builds off the last two episodes that we've talked about self-directed learning. I would break my students into small groups, and you can do it randomly. Check out the icebreakers that I promoted in a previous episode. Once you get them into small groups, you throw out a prompt, a subtle prompt that will generate interest in the day's lesson. And it might not be obvious where you're going with this prompt. If you listen to uh, Emma Nieper, she talked about Mrs. McDonough and her really neat bonus point, divide up, show you about groupthink. Kids didn't realize they were talking about groupthink until they got into the lesson, but it really primed the pump. And Emma said it put her in the right mindset. And that's crucial. Give the kids maybe a minute or two to think about it on their own. Then have them collaborate, have them talk to one another. After they have had a chance to bounce some ideas off one another, then as a group you discuss. And it doesn't have to take that long. This whole process could be under 10 minutes, really five minutes, if you really want to push the envelope. And Emma Nieper, once again, the brilliant Emma Nieper talked about how she felt putting kids under the gun was a great way to enhance some productivity. The final thing you can do is then you dive into your lesson. I'm going to tell you something, man. You're going to have eager students that have their pumps have been primed. <laughs> Good luck tomorrow engaging your students. Show notes for this episode can be found at jamesallensternivant.com. If you enjoy hacking engagement, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes.